Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Good morning. God bless you all. Love you with the love of Christ. I'd love to come here and talk to you about Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and there is no other way. Christ alone for salvation and also blessings and honor, and he shares his glory with us here in this life as well. How cool is that? That is absolutely fantastic. I have been doing this now for over 35 years, and I feel like I'm just getting started. Also, I feel like I know nothing. So I hope that encourages you a a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about saving the day. Saving the day. It's not me, Roger Peterson, that saves the day, but it's Jesus. So I want to tell you a story uh, about a wedding I did down in L.A. It was... uh, low-end, medium-income family, and, and they had uh, rented a small church and, and had a few flowers around and all that. And the mom and the bride had sewed her dress, pretty dress, to me. I'm a guy. What do I know? It looked like every, looked like every other wedding dress, dress I'd ever seen in the world, but She was very proud of it, and they were finishing it up just before the service. And during the service, I've got a certain ritual I go through and all that kind of stuff. At one point, I have them kneel down facing me and their backs to the congregation as we have a special prayer. And there was one unfortunate decision on her part, and that is that the bride decided to wear high-heeled shoes, very high-heeled shoes. And so she knelt at the kneeler, and she had no train, but it was a pretty full dress, and of course that draped around her feet and, and around those spiky heels while she was kneeling there, and we were Praying, we got done, and I invited him to get up, and her dress caught on one of her heels. And she stood up, and that dress split right around here and fell to the floor. (laughs) That would have been bad enough, except she was only wearing what she wanted her new husband to find. On their wedding day. Now, in the second row, in the second row, one seat over was mom. And before I could even say oops or anything, that woman was out of that chair and had that dress up. And there was safety pins and there was sewing needles and all this going on. I just said, let us pray. rest of the wedding went on without a hitch. <laughs> but, but I'll never forget that mom, how absolutely centered she was 
out of that pew. I'm not sure, but she might have leapt the front pew. And she had that thing up and sewed it up, saved the day. Absolutely saved the day. And that's fantastic when we start to think about saving the day with Jesus. Because in Cana of Galilee, you know, Cana is about, well, it depends. There's, there's two or three Canas. The one I decide is Cana of the Bible is one called Kafir Cana today. It still exists today. In fact, I have a picture of it. There it is. And so that gives you some idea. Uh, uh, in, in today, there's only about a thousand people that live in Kafir Kenna. And in Jesus' day, probably less than that. It wasn't a, a wealthy city by any means, but it did have a cohort of Roman soldiers uh, living there. And the family, in the story of Jesus making water into wine, is probably not a wealthy family. Probably similar to the one I had contact with down in L.A. Uh, and so let's dig into the scriptures. Let's take a minute. Heavenly Father, make our minds right. Help us to think now about your biblical words your scripture to our hearts and minds. Let us take it in and let us uh, 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 let it permeate our bodies and our minds so that we might bless you with what we do with the rest of our day. Thank you in Jesus' name. John 2 starts this way. On the third day, now that third day, it's, it's confusing in John, that's the third day after the calling of Philip. If you read through the first two chapters of the book of John, it takes place over about a week. So, okay, on the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan and Galilee. That's about eight or ten miles away from Nazareth, but now Jesus and the disciples are down in the Jordan. And it's about a two-day walk uh, to get back up to Cana. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples also had been invited to the wedding. It seems as though there's some kind of connection. Now, weddings in those days were big deals. I mean, everybody in the town was invited, and, you know, unless you were on the poorer side. And Jesus' mother probably knows the family. We'll see something a little bit later on that makes me think that. And Jesus and his disciples are invited. So probably mom gets there first since weddings take place sometimes for as long as a whole week. And oftentimes take all of the resources of the family. The bridegroom's family. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Wine was important in those days, more so than it is now because the water in many towns was bad and could make you sick. In fact, we even read you know, in uh, Timothy, that the Apostle Paul told Timothy, uh, 
Have a little wine. Drink a little wine for the sake of your stomach. So apparently Timothy had some stomach issues, and Paul thought wine, which was often used in medicinal purposes back then as well as a libation, but wine was was very important part of any kind of festival and feast uh, like this wedding. Jesus' response to her is interesting. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. Mary Though the Apostle John, if you ever read through John, never calls her Mary. He assumes we know who he's talking about when he talks about the mother of Jesus. Mary knows or believes so deeply in her son that she has some idea that he can help the situation. The party has gone south There's nothing more to drink but maybe some water. And she calls on Jesus, says, hey, there's none there. He gets the inference. The inference is Mary is telling him, do a miracle. Save the day. Jesus' response to her is is a polite rebuke. As if to say to her, This is Jesus' first miracle. And he says to her, that part of me, that part of my ministry that is salvatory for people does not include you. That's me alone. And it's like he said, criminy lady, I've got to decide when I start making myself known. But Mary, again, probably knowing the family and knowing Jesus very well, as a a mom would, doesn't give up. And she said, his mother said to the servants, see, if if she's ordering around somebody else's servants, then she knows the family. And the servants know her as well. And she says, do whatever he tells you. So she knows that either he's on the spot or he's going to acquiesce. Now nearby, verse 6, stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Now these are set behind the house as such, or on the side. And water is taken out of them with small pitchers. The servants do this when the guests start to arrive. The water in the jars is for ceremonial washing. The Jews would not eat unless they had washed their hands. And oftentimes people wouldn't enter a home unless the homeowner had provided foot washing. And that's what the water was for. A lot of water. Imagine a 50-gallon barrel. Now cut it in third and take a third away. And that's about the size of the jars. 
Water is dipped out in pitchers and brought over to where the guests are. And first of all, the guest holds out their hands like this and water is run over their hands. They got no soap. This isn't for cleansing. This is for cleansing. This is for ablation, cleansing. So then they hold their hands up like this and then water is poured across the fingers and they're done. They dry and they go in the house. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Notice to the brim. It's in there. Because somebody somewhere said, Well, yeah, they just mixed a little wine in with the water and it was diluted and all of that kind of stuff. So John cuts that idea off immediately by saying nothing else would fit in the jars but the water that the servants put in there. Jesus said, fill the jars with water so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, the then is very important. Now draw out and take it to the master of the banquet. The now is very important. Between the then and the now, Jesus turns the water into wine. First miracle. Fantastic. This is a statement that Jesus is the creator, for it takes some maneuvering some methodology to make water or grape juice into wine, and Jesus does it like that. All six jars are full. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And that's MC, you know, master ceremonies, usual in their practices. They did so. The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants knew who had drawn the water. He then called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone, he's not probably a religious person. This is someone that works at the local government uh, uh, office, the ceremonial leader, not like we do, pick a good friend or somebody that's agile and speaking and stuff like that and have them do it. This was probably a paid person who was like a wedding planner, let's say like that, only a little bit more. He is used to doing this and uses his secular information and experience to say this. And he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first. And then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. He's like a connoisseur. He knows good wine. Jesus never fails. And he made good wine. Wine wine. 
not just grape juice wine, but wine wine, or the MC, the master of ceremonies, would have thought funny of it. The wine they were talking about was the kind of wine you overindulge in and get drunk. But we don't want anybody to do that. We want temperance in all things in our lives and stuff. But this master of ceremony was blown away by the generosity of the bridegroom. This, the first of his miracle signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. It's a sign. It's a sign of who he is. One might also say a sign of the times because the times, they are a-changing. When Jesus shows up, the whole thing, the whole idea of life in, in now and life in the afterlife and, and all that changes with Jesus' message to his disciples and then on into the church. Jesus saved the day, saved the wedding feast. Jesus is able to save more than that. If Jesus can do a physical miracle and he's a spiritual God, how much more can Jesus do a spiritual miracle in our lives? We should just expect Brothers and sisters, please, let us expect physical miracles from God. He will do it. He will bless us. He will knock our socks off with stuff that happens that we could in no way arrange or have uh, taken place. And we say to ourselves, that's a God thing. Or God just showed up. How fantastic that is. We should be used to that if we have such faith. But we should also pray for the spiritual blessings. Peace. Oh, dear brothers and sisters, peace in our hearts and minds. No matter what we're going through, Jesus can save the day. If it's hard and it's bad and it's loss, the loss of a loved one, the loss of position, the loss of faith, the, lo- the face, the loss of finances, whatever the loss may be, Jesus can heal. Jesus can save the day. And when we step up to the plate, oh, and I hope you do, I hope you are very generous at the Pentecost offering because that is one way that this church has decided to step out in faith and and speak the gospel into communities. We do it into... we We are currently in nine different communities speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I hope you take up the call yourself to tell others that you love Jesus. Notice, I said to tell them that you love Jesus. 
You don't have to tell them they have to love Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He will change that heart and mind the way he wants to do it. Our job is to give them a reference point in that my life is like it is because I love Jesus. The blessings I receive, I receive because I love Jesus. And Jesus loves me. That will save the day for many. I'm losing the number, but I think so far in our church plants this year, I think there's been over 60 evangelism events that resulted in people changing their hearts and minds about Jesus. We should do the same. We should tell others about Jesus and have children of TCC by TCC members. And then we will be with Jesus, saving the day. Ourselves, personally. I know that's tough. But he can save the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is no one on this earth by whose name we must be saved other than Jesus of Nazareth. Thank you for this story in John that we can see uh, the, the miraculous side of Jesus, the God side of Jesus, the creator side of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have allowed that. And thank you, Jesus, for being so open with your power and your majesty. And we give you praise and glory and thanks. We ask for you to stir our hearts by Holy Spirit. Stir our hearts to tell others with our mouths, with words, that we love Jesus. And we'll see what that will do. And it will save the day for many. We ask you to bless us in this, in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.